Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the dickens. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, here we go. I think you heard a few... Listen to the crossover just now. Jake and I were talking about what we believe is going to happen, and that's what I believe is going to happen, that he remains on PUP. Of course, Jonathan Taylor is whom we're talking about right here. Um, remains on PUP to start the season. Now, there is nothing solid that is just my educated guess. Nothing solid whatsoever. Heard nothing whatsoever. When we do hear something, something concrete, we'll pass it along, and then we'll all have a great deal of discussion about it. Yeah, I saw this from Robert Griffin III. It makes zero sense for the Colts to trade Jonathan Taylor right now. He's your best player and will take pressure off of the rookie quarterback. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, it's funny. You talk to, and I gauge a lot of you that listen to this show, that follow me on X. You know, we go back and forth. So I gauge that. Most of you at a point right now where you're just thinking, man, I don't care what it is. I'm just sick of it. So it's almost like if my scenario holds true, that this will prolong the agony for you. I mean, you want either, all right, either mend the fences, everything's going to be great again. You know, that, that Disney type of ending. You either want that ending or you want just get rid of the dude and be done with it so this team can move on, so I can move on, so I so, so JMV can move on. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing about this every single day. That is so true. Most of you are absolutely exhausted. And I use that term loosely. I mean, whenever somebody says on the radio, you know, this really exhausts me, you're not exhausted. There are people working their ass off out there. They're exhausted. You know, those that are working on the I-69 finish-up product, I'm sure, are exhausted out there working last week in the heat of the day. They're exa- I'm not exhausted by yapping. But I, I do understand what you're talking about here. You're talking about it in terms of just this story wears me out and you could not be more accurate. Yeah, as far as the second team is concerned, hell, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's funny. You always think about, you know, what are the Colts putting out there right now? I don't know what the Colts are putting out there. It just seems to me that they're kind of sitting back and waiting to turn down somebody's final offer here. Whether it's Miami, then so be it. Yeah, you guys are asking me this. I think that they would be, it would be, I hesitate to call it wizardry. Because let's just face it, uh, the path in which this has gone down, there is no wizardry involved. I mean, it's foolishness. We've talked about this is all foolish. This is all football foolishness. And none of us are for the better for it. None of us. I sit right here thinking, wow, you know what? You had this storyline, but you get worn out. As I mentioned. So we are all worse for the wear with this. But as I mentioned, if you were able to, let's just say the other scenario is that that they get a deal done with Miami, and people are asking me all the time, what do you think they're going to get? What, a third? A three and a five, maybe? Not going to get a one. You think they're going to get a two? Uh, you'd be a lot of thank you saying if you end up getting a two. Just cannot imagine it. But we are in the final hour before we should find something out here. And, of course, we'll be all about it. Yeah, even though if some of you have checked out because you're sick of it. <laughs> I yeah, I won't blame you. I don't want you checking out. I'd blame you for that. But I don't want you checking out on it. Uh, some of the names today, Mike Strawn, was at three years of hope and belief and thinking this guy is going to break through and it never happened. Amari uh, Rogers, wide receiver veteran they brought in. DJ Montgomery. I saw Al-Kadeen Muhammad, who they brought back once upon a time, a member of this team defensively. So a number of name recognizable, but no news as of yet regarding Jonathan Taylor. Bottom of the hour, Greg Graystraw, who handled all the play-by-play for the Colts TV with the exception of that third and final game last uh, Thursday night in Philadelphia. Greg's going to join me coming up at the bottom of the hour. Maybe something cracks whenever Greg joins us. We'll see. Four o'clock for Brad Spielberger. Yeah, Brad Spielberger was kind of the uh, kumbaya speaker of last week, if you remember. He thinks everything's going to be all right. He was giving me the naughty by nature song approach. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. And then Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is going to join us coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. We should have something to go on with Stephen coming up after 5. But we are awaiting the news and awaiting the latest Yeah, it is going to be interesting regarding, and this is further down the road once the season is officially underway. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. I asked this question yesterday. All three of these rookie quarterbacks are the opening day starters. If, If you were a betting person out there right now, who would you wager is going to have the best season out of the three? Who will have the, the, the most solid, the most productive Rookie season out of the three. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. 
They will be attached at the hip. For sure. Uh, We talked about that yesterday. And again, you get Bryce Young in Carolina, C.J. Stroud in Houston, of course, Anthony Richardson right here. (laughs) JMV, I wanted to say that today has been wearing me out because I have my alerts set for Schefter and Rappaport. Every tweet, I had to look at my phone expecting something regarding Jonathan Taylor. Oh, my God, I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you've had two kicker trades today. Yeah, Sean Payton goes and gets his old kicker in New Orleans, Will Lutz, and brings Will Lutz to Denver. I believe uh, Nick Folk from the Patriots to the Titans, too, so a couple of kicker trades waiting on. Can't remember the last time that happened, especially on a day like today. Yeah, it's funny. You guys are sending me all sorts of really good stuff right here. Well, thank you very much. Now, yesterday I got, um, to start the show, I got something very interesting um, from Cubs fans. Yeah, Cubs fans and Reds fans, everybody should just stay shut up. Yeah, I've learned my lesson long ago. Uh, My team is in San Francisco, and you're watching them effectively circling the drain right now. That's what you're watching. (laughs) It has been an interesting ride, but they are circling the drain. Matt McClain goes on the I.L., I knew it. I turned it seriously. Whenever Stu Fairchild walked to the plate last night, I said, yep, I'm done. Anybody else do that? I feel bad. He might be the nicest guy ever. I'm done. Stu Fairchild, who I believe was coming back from a concussion. I just, I, I don't have the means that are necessary to want to watch him play. It was a struggle. Uh, Both the Reds and the Cubs lose decidedly last night in their games with the Giants and the Brewers. Big series for the Cubs and the Brewers. Did not get off to a good start. So, Cubs fans, including Corey, I didn't hear from you early. You know what? Getting back to the Colts for a moment, too. It's funny. You get this cut down day, and then you get this news from Taylor. Um, If he gets traded, you're able to move on. You're always going to to look and see what he's doing in Miami. You know, what does Chris Ballard have to do to get that you know, get that taken from all record? You know, getting out of this situation, I, I don't think he can do anything. Here's the reason why. Win is the only thing you can do. But the reason why is you were going in one particular direction and, you know, to have it end in the way that it does, it doesn't seem like that. Let's just say, for example, if he's if he's traded, if he's traded to Miami. I mean, there's not a fan around here that literally will probably like him, maybe a handful ever again. And then the way that you look at it, Chris Ballard, I mean, you traded up three years ago for this and this is what you got out of it. And this is what transpired in the final year of his deal. I mean, listen, nobody at all 
is cloaked in glory over this. I don't care what you think. I mean, really, in terms of the Colts right now, the only good fortune that they have regarding this entire storyline is the fact that you're exhausted of the topic in general. Like Colts fans, yeah, whatever happens. And I know you really deep down inside don't mean it. But that's the only thing. That's the only thing because you are ready to move on. And in moving on in any fashion. Now, yeah, the other side of it is if he goes on pup for the first four weeks of the regular season, yeah, this thing is it's going to be wafted around here like a bad smell for like the first four weeks of the season. September is going to be more like August for you guys. You don't want that, I'm sure. That's probably the least of the options that you want. Yet that's where we are. That's where we are with, again, not a lot to go on to this point. JMV, do you think everybody ultimately is lowballing the Colts and Chris Ballard? Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Who in the world is going to offer them a one? Who's going to do that? Of course they're getting lowballed. And they set the price tag high because they knew that nobody was going to go for it. And I guess if there were an outside chance, if somebody were just out of their mind enough to do actually drop a one for a running back that wants to be extended, if anybody's going to do that, then you take that thing and run with it. Ah, There's nowhere to go after that. Yeah, Shep says, trade Jonathan Taylor and be done with it. That's where a lot of you are right now. Rarely, if ever, these odd, these awkward, these soap opera-like situations, rarely, if ever, do you get to wiggle free so easily. And I know what you're saying. Well, it's been the entire month of August and a little bit of July. That's a long time. But we know this to be true. Like last year, like the entire Lux saga, I mean, normally it goes longer than that. Rarely you're able to get out of it with just maybe a month of it hanging over your head. But that's, again, where a lot of you are right now. You just kind of want to stay at that spot. You know, a lot of you are asking, and in fact, Jake asked me about this during the crossover segment about Jelani Woods. No, I'm sorry. That was James that asked me about that, about Jelani Woods. And uh, Jelani Woods carries a lot of clout moving forward. And with that clout, that carries a lot of responsibility. Look how important the tight end position was, in particular Dallas Goddard a year ago in Philadelphia when Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator. I would have to think that's exactly what they're looking at in terms of Jelani Woods. Healthy, in shape, all of the above, and ready to rock. Because he is so versatile. You know, unless you want to slide a guy like Kylan Granson. Listen, Kylan Granson to me, if you're going to if you're going to highlight somebody 
that you know went after all that I explained that you're going to have to do as a a Colts receiver or tight end, skill position player, whatever the case. I thought Kylan Granson, when called upon, did those things. That's what I thought. I mean, if anybody had impressed me, and it all could be fleeting, it could go away, it could change around. You know, maybe guys that were unimpressive. Like, I'll give you a great example. Like, for me, I thought Kylan Granson impressed. And on the other hand, I thought Alec Pierce still looked like he needed a lot of work. I didn't think he had a great camp. Now, people will tell you if they covered it every day, they saw him having a great camp. Or certainly unlike what we saw in those games in the preseason. And I know how important, how effective he might be able to be because Anthony Richardson is good at lofting it down the field and giving wide receivers that are go-get-it an opportunity. And he is clearly the go-get-it guy. But one of the most significant problems with any wide receiver group we've seen around here in a number of years is they fail to create any significant space. I mean, nothing. And that has dogged this team. Whether or not Chris Ballard ever listened to us about wide receivers that are necessary, wide receivers that are necessary in free agency, you know, the draftable wide receivers, and I know that he has addressed that position through the draft. But you cannot tell me, and especially the lack of separation against second and third stringers, that has to concern you. And as I explained yesterday, if you're Anthony Richardson and you had the best arm in the NFL at at 20 years of age, the problem that you're going to see is he's going to force the ball anyway. That is just the way that is going to be. Age and experience. You know, the pressure of the moment, the fact that he he knows he has the arm strength, you know, between running it sometimes or maybe you don't want him to, and then trying to squeeze it into a very tight window when maybe you don't want him to. I think what even hurts that situation more is the fact that rarely, if ever, do you see any of his receivers getting a breath of space. And we've been wanting that to change, and we've actually blamed everybody else for it. You know, last year was the quarterback. Last year was Matt Ryan. Well, I mean, you could create space, but if it's going to take that football like half a day to arrive, once it's thrown, then that space is going to disappear. But that is not a new problem with this group. It's been an ongoing issue that certainly we have talked about. And when you're trying to to force situations like that, and because there's a lack of space, you're going to try to force it even more. That's the things you want to watch out for. That's how turnovers are made. You know, whether you're throwing it to the other team or it's a tip drill to the other team. That's why you got to see more. You hope to see more out of that group. That's why I want to see a healthy Jelani Woods get out there and and compete with the athleticism he has. That's what I've liked about Kylan Granson so far. Is his willingness to do just that. 
But the wide receivers are the same, too. And I know that everybody that goes to practice, everybody that's watched every practice, every training camp, and now as they transition from Grand Park back to West 56th Street, suggests that, you know, in practice against their own, it looks good for Alec Pierce, for example. But in those games, he had moments where he didn't look good. Now, we'll see. Those are some musts. And the same holds true for Michael Pittman Jr. Just create some space and know that that ball is not always going to be in the target category in which you hope it's going to be. You're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to make some tough plays. Uh, that's where I'll start. We can hit that if you like at 239-1070. Email address jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I have not logged on yet. Are you getting a script out of there, are you? Are you printing a script? Hey, Jake Query's in here, everybody. Hey, pop in on the uh, the lounge right there and say hello. Where's it's the right lounge? here. The camera's right oh, there. Right here? Yeah, right there. Okay. There it is. They just They just looked at me for three hours, John. Do you remember yeah, that? Uh, that would this go over well? There was an SNL skit because we have a Canon camera in front of us right now. Yeah. Remember the? Uh, it was a Canon skit, so right? Dan Stevens, Stevie Wonder can use. Yeah, it. that was the same. How would, would that go well today? You think no, that would not go? Well. He was where he was he was taking pictures of a tennis match and he kept getting shots of the elbows and stuff. When, how about when he and Joe Piscopo <laughs> were doing the, the, the takeoff of Ebony and Ivory? Yeah, yeah. Piscopo was playing Frank Sinatra. Yeah, you are. Well, I mean, I, I that Eddie Murphy. Eddie that. Murphy was playing uh, Stevie Wonder. You are blind as yeah. a bat, and I have sight. You got that your, not go over well today. Jake Query, a, a crossover, the sequel, because he had to get a script in here. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour. Brad Spielberger of PFF is going to join us. We'll look around the NFL with Brad, of course, also concentrating on the Colts. But around the NFL for some of these surprises, it's been a day of kicker trades. There you go. All right. Gritty tells me that there's a lot of jackassery going on in the lounge today. Can we specify? Is it, how is it different from any other day? Gritty, tell me. Gritty's telling me that maybe things are all not where they should be. I got to get in there. I got to get in there and lay down the law like I'm Marshall Dillon. Like I'm on Gunsmoke, which completely goes over. Most of the audience is head right here. Jack Assery going on in the lounge. I'll check that out. Uh, Brad Spielberger of PFF. You know, I, I mentioned, too, the kickers. If you're Sean Payton, you want to make sure that you trust. You go back and get a guy that had kicked for you that you trust. Trust in that thin air and those home games in Denver makes sense. I, it's weird. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Sean Payton, and I certainly don't like the Denver Broncos. And I'm not a big fan of Russell Wilson, whatever. I thought he was fun to watch in Seattle, but I will say this. There is just something about the situation that makes you wonder if they won't surprise from folks. Maybe start out scuffling a little bit, and then people are going to take shots at Sean Payton because he opened his, his yap about a month ago, right, regarding the situation a year ago. And then all of a sudden, they may catch it a little bit. Anybody? Denver. couple of kickers traded today. We'll get to that. Your calls at 239-1070. 
and Stephen Holt are going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Two weeks in the books, high school football-wise. Greg Rakesraw joins us to talk about that. Ohio State has named their quarterback. IU has yet to name their quarterback. IU's not naming their kicker either. It'll all come out in the wash. I think Ohio State, in fact, probably will do what, if you listen to Tom Allen last week, it sounds like that you're going to get the occasional shot of two quarterbacks. Seems like Ohio State and Ryan Day is going to start out the season doing something somewhat similar. Uh, we'll get to that with Greg coming up as well. All right, 239-1070 is the number. The email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, where apparently Lick is causing the issues. I'll jump in there. Make sure everything is okay. This reminder, too, Backyard Bourbon broadcast on Friday, Mystic Waters, 69 Pendleton Exit. It's a Ford's Garage, Heaven Hill Distillery. Bell's Brewery, New Belgium Brewing, and Bell's all a part of that, too. Ryan Stoltz will be up there, and that will be the beginning of what is going to be the most epic Labor Day party ever heard on anybody's radio or streamed on anybody's app or streamed on anybody's computer or heard on somebody's HD radio. You've just never around here heard a radio party like we're going to get on Friday and on Saturday. This show on Friday, the JMV Takeover coming up on on Saturday for the first time ever. You guys can all be involved, even if you don't rent a cabin. Even if you don't maybe take a tent and hang out, you can all be involved both Friday and Saturday. I'll let you know about that coming up in just a minute. Of course, we'll follow the latest because the clock is ticking. Light sands through the hourglass. So are the days of our lives around here waiting on at least in the moment what to do with Jonathan Taylor. Does he get traded? Does he remain on the PUP to start the season? Re, repupped. Or something else, which I don't think there are any other options out there. You know, one of the two, what do you think? We'll get to your calls. Greg Rakestraw and a lot more coming up. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, I see you lurking there at 239-1070. I'll get to you coming up in a minute. Pharaoh Brown, according to Joel A. Erickson, has been released. That's one of the uh, more latest tidbits of information coming out of the Colts. Uh, We still sit here awaiting any word. Four o'clock is the deadline. Any word regarding Jonathan Taylor? It's funny. Somebody had sent me a, a tweet, an X, whatever it is, on Thursday night telling me that the Colts should trade for Trey Sermon, who was running the football for the Eagles that night. And I said, hey, just chill out because if the Colts would want somebody like that, he's going to be available because he's going to get cut or released as it stands. And that's exactly what took place today. It's interesting. All right, your calls. I'll get you guys in a minute. Hang out. 
Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Are you uh, out there in the world of everyday work, just uh, hanging on the edge of waiting for what in the world is going to happen with Jonathan Taylor by 4 o'clock news? Uh, no, I am not. I am I am pumping my gas at 49th and 10. So <laughs> I would say I am going about my everyday activities, and then we'll happy to be in the know once I'm informed. All right. Quickly, before I get to the stuff that really matters, does this gas station at 49th and, and Penn, it, does it have a solid and above solid convenience store? Oh, it has an exceedingly nice convenience store. Uh, at the risk of a free plug, it is the Circle K, right. which they just redid in the last couple of years. And uh, as local convenience stores, stores go, I would say it is glorious, John. Try to think. I, I set the bar pretty high. There's a BP at 144. You can hardly see it now because of the exit right there and the wall that has been built. But there is a BP at 144 and I-69 that has a, a Charlie Biggs chicken place in it that is glorious. Absolutely glorious as a, well, a convenience store is concerned. This isn't exactly a Bucky's that I'm telling you from, you know, from Meridian sure. Kessler. Uh, but having stopped at that BP on my way back from Memphis yeah. in July, that is a fine convenience store, and I would say this one is of a similar ilk as that one. All right. If you were a uh, betting person, what would you wager is going to be the outcome, at least in the moment, in the now, for Jonathan Taylor here at 4 o'clock? In the moment, Jonathan Taylor is a member of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, there is always a potential for a deal before or at the trade deadline. Um, I, I'm not sure if this imposed deadline really means much for either side. So my wager would be is that he is potentially an unhappy Indianapolis Colt by the end of the afternoon. Think he remains on PUP? I don't know about that. This is where the Colts you know, may try to force his hand a little bit, or maybe there is an agreement that if he stays on, on the PUP list, that they'll look for another trade partner, whatever the case may be. I honestly don't have a good read on that. But, again, I would just tend to wager that he is still on this roster as of uh, after, you know, 20-something minutes from now. That's uh, Greg Rakestraw. He did, obviously, the play-by-play with Coach TV, uh, moving up through the preseason, the first two preseason games, and then uh, set out. Uh, the third one, only uh, certainly doing the uh, post-game show on the radio. Greg's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Any surprises so far to you? I mean, a lot of the veterans, they brought in some veteran receivers, uh, did not stick. Uh, veteran tight end, Pharaoh Brown, just got released, did not stick. Anything in your mind surprise you, interest you? Because really, and I don't know if it's overwhelmed, swamped, if you will, by the Jonathan Taylor stuff right now, but there really hadn't been much of interest, I think, so far. And I think that has largely been the way that you could describe the preseason as a whole. Yeah. You know, there have been two or three stories, and understandably so, that have just blotted out the sun compared to everything else. You know, in a normal training camp, there's always a guy or two. You go, man, that guy's really been impressive. He's going to make the roster. You know, like a player like a Saguna Luby maybe immediately comes to mind of that ilk. But when you have a new quarterback – and the the who's going to start status is in question at least up until a couple of weeks ago. Then you have Shaquille Leonard's return, and I'm not taking these in, in order in, of importance. And then you have the Jonathan Taylor story. That's just that sucks all the oxygen out of the room. There's really kind of nothing else to talk about. And so, in terms of the you know veterans that were brought in, 
to give them a chance to kind of make the roster. It wasn't like any of them, for the most part, largely flashed and say, man, you got to have that guy. And, and this team seems to be at a crossroads of, you know what, if, if, if anything else, let's play the young guys and let's yeah. see what happens to kind of know exactly where you are. So I'm, I'm not surprised that those that came in, and, and, and that was, that was a, a theme of this group, was to bring in more guys that seemingly had NFL experience than, say, just your run-of-the-mill undrafted free agents. There are a handful of those guys, not a lot of them. Uh, but, but, again, I think the overarching theme of this team right now is going to be let's play the young guys and see exactly where they are and let them learn on the job. What would you see in doing the play-by-play in those two games, Greg, of some of the young guys? Give me a couple of names that stuck out to you in those games you called. Well, again, so much of the focus. Now, I didn't get to see Anthony Richardson, obviously, in game number two. But in game number one, that was virtually everything that we were talking about. You know, and, and then it became a matter of, all right, Gardner Minshew, when he had a to play, and, and how did he look, uh, and, and things like that. You know, the young guys, we didn't say that much of Juju Brents because he was injured, and, and I think Daryl Baker has surpassed him temporarily as far as that starting cornerback spot. You know, it was certainly notable that Josh Downs got reps before Isaiah McKenzie did, uh, and, and so that would stand out. Um, you know, of, of the third-day guys, because of the opportunity in front of him, Evan Hall is going to get probably a lot more reps and a lot more playing time than we had thought he would. And Jalen Jones, I, I think, being a seventh-round pick, I think he's going to help this team both defensively and special teams. So, again, even even in quote-unquote the young guy category, again, so much energy, and rightfully so, so much energy gets focused on, on the fourth overall pick in the draft that even takes away the spotlight from everybody else. Uh, that was a draft pick of the Colts at the end of April. He is got Greg Rakestraw with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Line. Of course, switching gears to college football, both IU and Purdue. Um, off to starts coming up this weekend, too. And uh, you, you, you got a feeling who's going to end up getting the starting nod for Tom Allen in Bloomington against Ohio State? I really don't at, at this point, to be honest. Because, because he didn't say it's Taven, do you think it's going to be Soresby instead? Would he have uh, said yeah, it was Taven? You would think so, uh, but but again, because it is Ohio State, I tend to be of the, of the opinion of I'm not sure that it matters. Um, you know, this, this isn't Indiana State or directional Michigan or whomever, William and Mary, that you want to bring in. This is freaking Ohio State. Uh, and so anyone that's like not named Antoine Randall L. or Michael Penix I'm not sure what the chances of the Hoosiers are, frankly, coming up uh, this weekend. Now, what about Purdue at home against a formidable foe in Fresno State? You know, this this is all about Ryan Walters making the adjustment, you know, from kind of one step over. Um, you know, did a very good job that, that netted him a head coaching position with the Big Ten at Illinois. But now that you're the guy that's overseeing everything, how quickly can you make that transition? In other words, there's going to be some mistakes you would assume from the coaching staff because it is kind of a younger staff. Um, you know, from a player standpoint, obviously a lot of turnover, but like virtually everybody else, you're bringing in veterans, just like Purdue has done at the quarterback position. There's obviously no quarterback controversy in terms of West Lafayette. But is there going to be an adjustment for the head coach being a first-time head coach at this level? 
We'll see that play out come Saturday afternoon. Ken, Hudson Card, and I hesitate to say this. I'm not trying to compare the two whatsoever, only the geography comparison I'm making here, but could he stir some Drew Brees echoes, offensively speaking, with that group in West Lafayette this year? If he has a year that is even in the vicinity of oh, anything. Oh, I knew I shouldn't did. have said it. I knew I shouldn't have said it. I knew it. <laughs> if, he, if, 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 if we could even bring him up in the same conversation <laughs> after a couple of weeks, after a couple of months, yeah. it's going to be a heck of a year in West Lafayette. We're through two weeks of the high school football season. Stands out to you. Uh, it, to me, and, and this is it, and I haven't seen any of the games. I've just you know noticed the final scores, and I have been observing and talking to folks like you about it. It seems like that there's a lot of, and this is not a, uh, a right term to use, evenness. Seems like everybody's on a fairly even plane to start the season so far to me, really on all levels. How about you? Dignity would be the fancy word to say that yeah. uh, there, John. Um, and here's, here's what strikes me. I think the Hoosier Crossroads Conference is really good. And, and some of the teams that have been towards the back end of that league seemingly have pretty good teams this year. You know, I think Noblesville is better. I saw Fishers on Friday night. Pike, Pike hung with Zionsville in week one, and Fishers thumped them in week number two. Franklin Central is, is clearly better, having beaten Ron Colley, who is down. I, I think there are some of the traditional powers that are a little bit down. You know, this is that, that was a loaded senior class that just left Ryan Colley. You know, New Pal he still has a chance to make a decent den in 4A, but, you know, getting beat by a very good 6A team in Westfield, uh, a, a solid 5A team in Decatur Central, Kyle Ralph's bunch, they'll figure it out in their conference, uh, no doubt about it, but they maybe aren't, you know, one of the top 10, 15 teams in the state the way they have been a handful of times over the course of the last few years. So some traditional powers are a bit down. Uh, others are going to be just fine. But what has struck me, and if you look at their results against other teams, the Hoosier Crossroads Conference is set to have a really good year, and there will be some absolute wars because there, there might be one team that I would classify as down from that league. Everybody else seems to have a pretty good uh, Pretty good game plan put together for weeks three through nine. You mentioned FC and Ron Colley, and you made the call before the start of the season with the the success that you expected from the Jason West Coast coach team. And uh, yeah, so far, I, that's on the mark, especially. And I know that Ron Colley's not certainly the same as it was a year ago, but impressive nonetheless on Friday. And, and again, you know, I'm not sure what their record will end up being because of the quality and caliber of teams they play for the next seven weeks in the HCC. But Center Grove fans will tell you, FC gave them a battle last year in the sectional. And that sectional, and again, it's just the geography of it. You know, Center Grove's usually had a couple of three weeks off, you know, just kind of start the postseason. One, the bye week, and then two, you know, waltzing through whomever they were going to play in sectional number eight. Center Grove still really good, as evidenced by their bounce-back victory last Friday night. But I think they're well aware uh, it is not a cakewalk in Sectional 8 because, again, not surprisingly, give Jason West a couple of years, he'll figure some things out down there. So Greg Gregstra with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'll cut you loose here. So still a member of the Colts, according to you. I say that's the case, and he's going to get paid while being on PUP and will prolong the agony of many around here, I would guess. <laughs> 
What is, what is the theme of the show? I, I, I know you're. I know you're. You're live on yeah. location. What are we doing for the show well, on Saturday night? I thought I would do a tri-decade thing. I thought I would go seventies, eighties, and nineties because if I were, and I don't know what you think about this, if I were at a party that I thought was going to be a humdinger, an epic kind of party like this is going to be over the weekend, especially on Saturday night on location. I, I think we need to probably take some bits and pieces from each decade. You think that's fair? I think that's fair. So when I phone in after hopefully another Indy 11 win on Saturday night at about 935, 940, what genre should I focus on? Um, You could try to make it easy, I guess, because um, AJ is going to be running things back there, and I haven't quite figured out yet how I will be talking to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be running things. But I would, I would guess if you went with something nice from the 80s right there, something inspirational from the 80s, I think everybody would be happy. Beaver Satara, got it. Okay, all right, John. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'll take what you said literally to call in and ask for Peter Satara to kick off Labor Day weekend. Oh, you could do that and make everybody happy. All right, 49th and Penn, the Circle K. It's at the top of the list of convenience stores, according to Greg Rakestraw, who knows them almost all. As good, almost as good as the IGA you did a remote from during my days as a program. Do you director. remember that? Of course I do. I don't forget things, John. You know that. That was that was a glorious time. I was right next to where they were selling cigarettes and lottery tickets. But that sounds very much like an IGA experience <laughs> to me, John. <laughs> that was the what was that Bucks? I think they're at that Troy, was, Troy and uh, Meridian. Troy, exactly where yeah, it was. God, yes, great. It was a great time right there. All right. That's the site of the next JMB Takeover Remote is some random IGA in like West Central Indiana. I mean, well, I mean, it hit the spot because I think everybody knows how much in love I am with IGAs. So big yep. time. So Brown anyway. County IGA, we're coming your way. You got it. Thanks, buddy. See ya. It's, uh, Greg Rakestraw with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, no news. Clock is ticking. 13 minutes until four. Uh, what's your guess on this? Now, you know where I stand on it. What's your guess? Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you guys got anything in there right now? Got anything in there to tell me about? 239-1070, you can do that as well. Brad Spielberger, top of the hour. Stephen Holder, 5 o'clock hour. Plenty of time for you to get in. 239-1070 and a decision. Something official should be forthcoming. And we'll have it for you right here regarding Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Please, Three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, that one's from Matt Taylor right here. Greg Rakesraw Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, my expectation is PUP and no trade. Continued PUP and no trade for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, We'll get your thoughts on that as we continue to move forward to that 4 o'clock deadline. Uh, Some of the veteran names we have heard in the last couple of hours trickling out would have been Farrell Brown, the tight end. Um, Amari Rogers wide receiver. I think Jake Funk, the running back, is going to go 
you want to get cut and then go back to the practice squad. Al-Kadeen Muhammad, defensive lineman who was here before. One of the others, too. So that is where we are right now. JMV, you're going to be at Mystic Waters all weekend. I will be there both Friday afternoon. I will be there Friday night, overnight, Saturday, and then Saturday overnight. So I guess, yeah, that's pretty much most of the afternoon. Uh, David's at 239-1070. Hello, David. Hey, JMV, how you doing? I'm fantastic. What's up? Man, I got a quick question to ask you about Jim Irsay. How can you get a first-round compensation for your running back if you don't want to pay him a first-round Hey, I don't, I don't get that. You no, know what I mean? you, yeah, you set that price tag so high. You, I mean, you just, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to shoot for this, and nobody's going to match it, and we're going to be what, where we've been the entirety of the time. That's what, why that was said. Would you at least give him Josh Jacobs' contract? At least twelve million guaranteed a year. It to me, to me, as it first started, they have zero intention of giving him anything in this final year of his deal. Zero. Yeah, zero. Zero intention of moving off. I mean, listen, they have money, and I have mentioned, and I've called it, you know, massaging the situation, but clearly they are drawing a line and have drawn a line in the sand, and they're not going to move. Hey, real quick, that well died till it saved him $20 million, you know what I mean? What's that? That well died till it saved him $20 million. Use it on your running back. It's the first whale joke we've had on here, David. Thank you for the call. Yeah, that was Lolita. Was that uh, two weeks ago, I think? Uh, Lolita, the orca. So is this just going by Mystery Man here? Mystery Man, welcome to the show. Hey, you know, the the whale joke is perfect because this is Jonah in Arizona. It is not. Whoa. It is. It has to have been at least a year, Jonah. Have you been on probation? Have you been locked up? No, no. I've actually... uh, I've been listening to the show, but I've been pretty dormant in chat. I uh, switched careers, and I'm actually – I was supposed to be in Indiana earlier this year, but yeah. I'm act- I moved it back to the end of the year, but I'm still moving back. So how's your daughter? So, yeah, I, I'm sorry? How's the daughter? She's great. Awesome. Doing really good. Glad to hear. Actually, uh, so she just moved to Indiana so she could start a new school year, but I'm I'm here for another few months. But I've been going back to Indianapolis almost every month to go see her and – it's been rough, but at the same time, uh, I'm just getting everything set financially and career-wise to make my move back. Well, it's glad to have you back, whether you're going to be here when you get here or calling us, because we kind of wondered yeah. what had happened right there. You have not been inside the lounge in a while, I'm assuming. Yeah, I've been pretty dormant, but yeah. I've been listening to you on YouTube, but I'm also driving a lot now. So, But yeah, it's good to hear. It's good to be back on and talk to you. I promise I won't be another eight or nine months. Uh, I'm excited for the season. It's going to be interesting uh, with Anthony Richardson and, you know, the whole uh, Jonathan Taylor ordeal. It will be. Well, the the Anthony Richardson is is going to be – it will be interesting, as you stated, and accurately so. Now, it may be interesting in a bad way a number of times, in a good way a number of times, but it will be interesting, no question. Well, one one thing that needs to happen – is the offensive line has to play better than they did last year. I mean, I'm not I'm not defending Matt Ryan in his play, but the offensive line also didn't do him any favors. So with a young guy like Anthony Richardson, I, I want to see the line protect him better. And he's going to force, with his strong arms, he's going to force 
throws yeah. and all that. And just uh, at this point, just let the game come to him, and that's what I want to see. Yeah. And before I get off here, I yep. do have one qu- uh, question about Jonathan sure. Taylor. Now, if he's eligible to play and he refuses to play, how does the fine work? Is that NFL? Is is it appointed by the NFL, or can the team uh, choose the penalty? Yeah, for team him gets the team gets the fine right there. So yeah, if he if he chooses not to, uh, if he's let's say for example, if he's he's active, uninjured, not on pup, uh, that's a team fine. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure how I wasn't sure how that worked. Yeah. So at least the team has a say in it. And, well, you know, and I, and that's why they just haven't moved. I, that's and that's what I've questioned all along. And I know a lot of people have been out of shape and tiring hearing about it. But I, to me, it stands to reason still that if he were a part of this, that it would make it easier for the rookie quarterback with an experience to adapt. And why you could not have tried to make this situation even a little bit better. That's the mystery here to me. It's it's the mystery as to why they are so hardcore in deeming him unnecessary. Because to nearly everybody else out there, that's exactly what he seems to be. Yeah, there's no middle ground right now. And it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. Good to hear from you again. Yeah, it's good to hear from you, too. I'll, I will definitely call back sooner than the next eight, nine months. <laughs> Jonah in Arizona, everybody. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. When's the last time you heard from Jonah? Been at least a year. All right, we're uh, inching up on the 4 o'clock deadline. We'll get the latest coming up at the top of the hour. Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus, his weekly Tuesday visit coming up in just a bit, too. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com, and we'll hit a break. See what happens coming up on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, kid. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, Tom Palacero has just tweeted this. With no trade materializing, the Colts are placing a running back, Jonathan Taylor. This sounds familiar. On the reserve PUP list, meaning he'll be sidelined for at least the first four games. That, according to sources and Tom Palacero, Taylor's trade request stands, and now he'll play no sooner than week number five. So prolonging the agony of you all out there. How you feeling? How are you feeling? (laughs) Yeah, that's the latest. Again, I'll read it for you. With no trade materializing, the Colts are placing running by Jonathan Taylor on the reserve PUP list, meaning he'll be sidelined first four games per sources and get paid, by the way. Uh, and his trade request stands, and he will not be able to play sooner than week number five. So, yes, the uh, agony is prolonged. I think uh, Schefter adds to it with no trade materializing today. Taylor now is expected to remain on the physically unable to perform list, making him ineligible to play for the first four games of the season. And uh, those games, what the Jaguars, 
Texans, Ravens, and Rams if you're keeping track at home. Well, that's the latest. All right. Your call's coming up in a minute. If you guys want to jump on board, you can. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live where there is a hearty conversation going on there right now. Jump in there. Have some fun with it. We'll double back to you guys in a second via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Every Tuesday right here in the 4 o'clock hour from Pro Football Focus, Brad Spielberger joins us. So you were on hold and heard the latest news regarding Jonathan Taylor. Um, that's what I had talked about ultimately was was going to happen and it kind of prolongs the soap opera agony uh, ag- agony i should say around here but uh surprise you at all and what do you think is is the common theme the thought moving forward with this particular move brad yeah no not particularly surprising that he remains on the roster uh, i do think it's a bit interesting now the fact that he stays on the pup list and misses a month if anything, that's going to make a potential trade even harder. You know, as a team that's effectively getting three-quarters of the season, going to be willing to have that conversation again. What does it look like when he does come off the PUP list? So a lot of questions there. But ultimately, you know, I just never saw a scenario where a team was willing to give up significant draft capital and then give Taylor the contract he's seeking, you know, in the current running back market, uh, which we saw all off season was about as bad as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> and for people around here, Brad, like I mentioned this at the top of the show. There are a lot of Colts fans that just want to be done with it. Now, that's not how you work a business like this. Don't get me wrong, but they just wanted to see this moved on. Um, and in this case, it kind of seems like this was a lot of what the Colts thought they were going to end up having to do all along. That makes sense to you? Yeah, no, it does. And I, and I get that people want to, you know, move on from it. it. It is interesting as well, you know, just what the injury situation is. I know you and I spoke last week. I'll tell you this now. I mean, there's no question there's something going on if he's going to remain on the PUP list for a month. There's no, you know, fake injury or anything like that going on here. Not that we thought there was in the first place. But, yeah, I mean, it's also interesting. I guess you did have Cream Hunt in for a visit last week, but – you know, move on from Kenyon Drake. So is, is it Evan Hull? Is it Zach Moss? You know, they don't even seem particularly pressed about the situation. Um, and, and you're going to want to have a good running game, you know, with Anthony Richardson's legs also being a factor. Yeah. Kind of wonder, too, what they may try to pick up as far as running backs is concerned. I, I, I said this. If you're not going to at all try to create a situation to where you can bring in a guy when healthy that is among the elite runners in the NFL, which is certainly Brad necessary for this team right now going where they're going. If you're not going to do that, there's no reason to bring Kareem Hunt in here. I mean, why just go with, you know, the, the proverbial guys off the street, guys you invested in at least in the shorter term and guys off the street. Why would you, you know, want to mess with a guy like Kareem Hunt? I know he's a name from the past, but production-wise, it hasn't been there, and you get all this other stuff also along with it. I don't know why you would screw with that. I think right now you're just going to see some names that you know maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't, but it's not going to be anything earth-shattering at that position, I don't believe. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I do like the rookie Evan Hall. I think he's probably more of a third-down back early on in his career, 
And then you have Zach Moss on the early downs. And look, Moss was, was productive, you know, following the trade from Buffalo last year. I'm with you. You hear names, the people that recognize guys from their fantasy football draft five years ago. You just have good bodies in there, solid football players, let some younger players develop. I, I think they'll be all right. Brett Spielberger of PFF with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So you may have had a thought regarding the Colts with a healthy and participating Jonathan Taylor this season. Um, and I'm assuming that that thought has changed now that at least it's going to be the first four weeks of the season, no Taylor and where the Colts are right now. How much has that changed your thought on overall wins and possibilities to be competitive from front to back on the schedule this year? Yeah, it's particularly tough just because I actually think, you know, you always hear every year about how a running back helps a rookie quarterback and yada, yada, yada. I think Anthony Richardson also would have helped Jonathan Taylor just as much in creating more stress on defenses, creating more open rushing lanes, you know, being able to do zone read and different things together, but also just the constant threat on RPOs and things of that nature of always knowing we have to have a spy. We have to have someone that accounts for Anthony Richardson holding on to this football. Um, And so I think the two of them really would have just been a nightmare for opposing defenses. So, you know, you mentioned the schedule off the top. Obviously, Jaguars game is a tough one, whether or not he's there. You know, overall, though, I think it really is just a developmental season. Get the offensive line playing better. See what young players like Josh Downs can do, a healthy Jelani Woods, and so on and so forth. Um, You know, realistically, I don't think they were going to win a whole lot of football games either way. To Brad Spielberger, a PFF with us. All right, let's look around the landscape of the NFL for a moment as well. Any of these cuts surprise you? Uh, anybody that's kept on a team surprise you whatsoever? The path in which they're going in Arizona right now compared to you know what you thought they might have been? Talk a little bit about what you have heard so far, what you have seen so far, and some of these expectations as we close in week number one of the 2023 season. Yeah, really have not been a ton of surprises thus far. I think maybe one of the bigger ones, uh, Bradley Roby, the cornerback with New Orleans Saints, who I think has inside-outside flexibility, can do a lot of good things on the football field. Um, looks like they're going to go with Elante Taylor, the third-round pick from last season instead at starting slot. But, you know, I think he's still a capable player, can, can help a lot of secondaries, you know, maybe Indianapolis included. But for the most part, it, it really has been kind of as expected – you know, small trades, small swaps here and there, but but no surprises thus far. Nah, not really at all. Hey, any surprise teams you have? I mentioned this a little bit earlier, too. And I don't know how on board anybody is with me, Brad, as far as this is concerned. It's not because I'm a, like an uber fan of Sean Payton by any stretch. I think Denver struggles out of the gate. And then Sean Payton takes, you know, some heat because of what he said once he arrived at camp about the previous regime. And then I think they kind of get it and start winning some football games as we get to the middle portion of the season. That, to me, is going to be one of my surprises. Uh, Who among those names might be yours? Yeah, I mean, look, I like Sean Payton as well. I I don't mind that pick at all. I think one for me, and their division's so, so tough, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, on paper, looking like a really good roster. And, And if Kenny Pickett can take that step this year with an awesome rookie class where it sounds like pretty much every player, you know, in that class, is going to be a potential starter and, and a high-level player, you know, out of the gate, at least relative to rookie production. So as much as I like Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland, I think Pittsburgh's defense, you see last year, a strong unit without T.J. Watt. You throw him back into the mix. And then their offensive line last year was their biggest issue. I love adding Isaac Samalo. 
I like Dr. Jones in the first round, uh, and so on and so forth. I, I just think they have a ton of upside potential to get back in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I look at that, um, and obviously you look around the, the AFC South within the uh, Colts' home division right here, and you look at you know, the Titans, you look at the Jaguars, and a lot is on the Jaguars' shoulders, but much like the Colts, the Texans are starting also a rookie quarterback in week number one in C.J. Stroud. Among these three rookies, uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, which one of the three would you suggest would have the better season moving forward? I think the best rookie season probably will be Bryce Young. Uh, you, you know, I think the coaching staff they brought into place, not even just Frank Reich as head coach, you know, D.C., Jiro Vero, who's a very good coach as well. But you, you bring in this this core around him um, it, it, with Jim Caldwell, a former head coach who, who's in the building. It, the offensive line, I think, once healthy with Austin Corbett at guard, is a pretty solid unit. And I don't love the pass catchers, but I think they're good enough once you get D.J. Chark back from his injury. So, you know, I think it really just comes down to the supporting cast, everything around him, and then also just my perception of his NFL readiness. I love his pocket presence. I love his poise. I think he'll have the best rookie season of that trio. Yeah, I think most people will probably point the finger to that as well. Um, among the teams that you believe are going to be front runners to start this season, and you mentioned kind of a surprise of the Steelers. I think I'm on board with you with that as well. Obviously, you think Kansas City is going to be there. Philadelphia should be a major player. Two teams representing in the Super Bowl a year ago. What are your thoughts about San Francisco? NFC title game, and obviously made a lot of noise, spent a lot of draft capital on Trey Lance, uh, traded him for a fourth rounder at the end of this past week to Dallas, but still John Lynch and company survive because they win football games in a much different fashion than a lot of others win football games. They able to sustain, maybe take a step further in the NFC this year. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a bad NFC conference, so I still think they're in the top three, a clear top three with them. You mentioned Philadelphia, and then I think Dallas is in that class. And then I think, frankly, it's a massive drop-off to, you know, Detroit, Seattle, a couple other teams in that range. So, yeah, I do. I think because they're still just better in the trenches than most football teams, regardless of conference. And then their weapons are so good on the outside with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, et cetera, that as long as Brock Purdy comes back and is – you know, his elbow isn't bothering him. I think they are, you know, going to make the playoffs and maybe take that step further like you mentioned. But in part, you know, frankly, because the NFC just is really lacking a lot of talent compared to the AFC. He is Brad Spielberger of PFF on the Taylor situation and more here in Indy via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What are you writing about here before I cut you loose? Yeah, so we're covering every single move going on right now, and I'm going to be writing up all the best players that got cut today. Which team could they benefit the most? Uh, looks like Bailey Zappi just got weighed by the Patriots, which is interesting. So we're covering it all over at PFF.com. All right, Brad, I appreciate you. We'll do it again next week. Sounds great. Thank you. Brad Spielberger of PFF, in case you missed it, no deal. So the Colts have placed – Jonathan Taylor on the physically unable to perform list. First four weeks of the season, he is down. He will get paid. Adam Schefter continues with this. The Colts' next best opportunity to deal their running back could be before the NFL's October 31st trade deadline. If no deal by then, the Colts could tag Jonathan Taylor and try to trade him again in the offseason. But as I had mentioned before we went to Brad... There is no end to this drama currently in sight 
So there you go. No end to the drama. And that is the latest. Hey, JMV, I'm not a general manager, and Ballard has shown us that he isn't very good at it either. I take care of him by restructuring his contract and pay him accordingly, which allows him to prove he still has it. He's shown us that he's a beast. They paid Leonard for the same thing, essentially. All right, I got time to work. And again, Jonathan Taylor on the physically unable to perform list for the first four weeks of the season. And you got to keep in mind, too, he's got to play some games this year, you know, if he wants to become a free agent. And I'm sure he probably doesn't, considering uh, how saturated that market is going to be. He would like to find a different seat someplace else and be extended wherever that is someplace else. What I want to know is how hard Miami went at this. Anybody else? How hard did Miami go at the Colts? What did they bring? Because, again, the Colts set the price tag so high that nobody was going to go at that. So, again, as I mentioned, the Colts are doing what the Colts, I mean, they wanted to see him play out his contract. But, to me, the next best option they had, because Jim Irsay had said, hey, we don't want to trade you. We're not going to trade you in October, as Adam Schefter suggested that they could certainly have the option of trying to do is that now you pay him and he's on the PUP to start. And then, by the way, there's the question, is he actually injured? And I know I've asked this, and it's kind of dangerous territory when you get in it, but I don't really care. I'm just kind of curious. I mean, just how substantial is the injury? I think it's just a lot more. Can he not pass a physical right now? In all things, I know that not a lot of people are going to talk about, but kind of weighs on my mind because you really want to know. There wasn't any mention of any of this until the start of camp, and then it all fell through. So was that by virtue of a different injury, as some have speculated? The same injury as others have talked about? Or is this all a part of the game of trying to get the most out of your guy and the guy trying to get the most out of his situation? I think it's all a part of the game. And that's what I've talked about all along. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Let's start to get some calls in here regarding the latest on Jonathan Taylor. Bill's in here. Hello, Bill. How are you? TMV, how are you doing today? I have no end in sight in the Jonathan Taylor talk, so it's a glorious day. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have a glorious day at uh, Mystic Gardens and everything. Yes, we are. I can't 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 tell you how much I'm looking forward to uh, to that. So it's gonna be a gonna be a great time. Invite everybody to come out. There's no better way to start your holiday weekend off than than to do it that way. So yeah, the entire weekend too, by the way, too. So that's gonna be great. Yeah. But uh, with Jonathan Taylor, I think that they should. Uh, uh, I think they should trade him. I think they should trade him to, to Miami, uh, and just just to kind of get rid of him. Um, I don't look at him as as a, a irreplaceable asset at all. 
Um, and I think that they, the reason the Colts are hedging right now is that I think they kind of like what they're seeing in the running backs that they do have in camp. Uh, besides Jonathan Taylor. So be looking forward to getting that drama out, out of the way. And, and once again, man, look forward to seeing you guys on Friday. Billy, it is going to be an absolute blast on Friday and Saturday, too. Can't wait to see you up there. Yep. Billy, thank you for the call. I wonder how much Miami actually offered. That's got to start trickling in, right? The news on what was out there, what the interest level was. But we are where we have been. Uh, moving forward, Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Yeah, I mean, I've just I've talked about manipulating games, all that. It just all seems really odd, given that there was not a peep until the start of camp. And then basically all hell broke loose. And again, you've heard all these. I gave you all these different rumors that are floating around. And one was, you know, outside of football activities, which, you know, was something that came from the Colts, if you remember, going back about a month ago. You know, there was that rumor that both, I shouldn't say it was a rumor, it was a report that Stephen Holder and Mike Chappell had. And, and frankly, when those two guys get it here, you, you know that it came directly from the Colts. They wanted that message out there. At JMV, fire Ursay and Ballard. What an absolute joke. Well, first of all, you can't fire Jim Ursay. He owns the team. And then the owner of the team uh, has not wanted to dismiss Chris Ballard, so he's not going anywhere. Why would a free agent ever sign here? All right, that's kind of interesting. I'll tell you why that a free agent still would sign here, but it does make you wonder, you know, once this contentious word all spreads, I just, I never really think of the Colts as a free agent gatherer in the first place. I just don't think it matters. Like we go into free agency every single year and we talk about 9 million different things, none of which ever happen. Like for somebody to say, and maybe this is different with Anthony Richardson. Maybe you can look at it that way. Now you have Anthony Richardson. Maybe this would be more of a, a viable location with him. But at the same time, it has to be viable for those making the decisions. Now, Chris Ballard may be not so subtly changing the formatics of how he believes a team wins, which clearly didn't work over the first six years of his tenure. Maybe he is rebooting that. I just don't know if you're ever going to see a time and a place where he's going to change in terms of how he deals with free agency. I can't see him offering the type of deal, for example, a year before last that Jacksonville offered Christian Kirk. Sean writes this. Shout out to Collinsworth, by the way. Could it be that the Colts were happy with an offer from another team, but Jonathan Taylor and his people didn't like the compensation package? The, the Colts set the target so high, so stratospheric, that nobody was going to hit it right. 
I mean, that's why they said it that way. That's exactly why they said it. So I, the Colts, to me, are getting out of this exactly what they wanted to get out of this. Now, I'll double back with you on this. They wanted to see him play. But they wanted to see him play contractually on their terms to close out the final year of his deal. That's what they wanted. That was at the top of the list of their wants. That's what they wanted. But in terms of having to take a different avenue as this whole thing evolved, this is also what they would want. James, did you just send me this? What is this about here? Uh, that's from Jonathan Taylor's Twitter page. It's one of it's a tweet he liked. It says Colts holding Jonathan Taylor hostage. <laughs> it's from like four minutes ago. Oh man. See, you guys thought you're going to get away from this. You're not going to get away from it. It continues to live on. So James sent me this from Jonathan Taylor's ex account. Uh, somebody named Coach Ryan Rivera. And actually, I just, is that a, is I, this is accurate? I think so. And I just to make sure, I went and checked his Twitter account. I think he went and immediately unliked it because it's no longer popping up. <laughs> I think for a brief moment he had liked that tweet. For a brief moment, for a brief moment, he liked that tweet, and then thought better of it. And the tweet that he liked was Colts holding Jonathan Taylor hostage. <laughs> oh, it just doesn't get any better than this now, does it? You guys got to love it. <laughs> I just retweeted that if you want to see it, by the way, too. James says it's gone from his now, at least the like. I'm not quick enough on that stuff. I can't get to the like in time. JMV, at least Luck had the marbles to just quit right as the new season was about to start. Maybe Jonathan Taylor can get signed someplace else. Yeah, I don't – I'm not going to make a comparison to Luck. luck. I mean, what, what Luck did, like it, loathe it, whatever. Okay with it. I mean, it set back this organization to a point to where you know, this is still the hole they're digging out of right now. Now, there have been a tremendous amount of really bad decisions along the way. But they are still there by virtue of that maneuver. Two weeks before the start of the season. And I remember Peyton Manning talking about that saying, and and not in terms of the comparison to when Andrew Luck did it, but Peyton Manning would always say regarding retirement, you know, if you're in in March, you're in it for the season. You know, that is your deadline to make a decision and a decision not to completely hose those around you. And that's exactly what they did. So, again, the latest no deal for Jonathan Taylor. I do want to know what type of package Miami did offer. If anybody has that info. Jonathan Taylor's going on the physically unable to perform list, which means he's going to miss the games, the opener against the Jags at Houston, at Baltimore, and the Rams. 
So four more weeks of this, and maybe even the best part is what James alluded to a moment ago, the the liking and then the taking away of the like, allegedly, of a Twitter follower of Jonathan Taylor stating that the Colts were holding him hostage. He had initially liked it, and now he's not. That'll be a good thought. All right, quick break. I know the phones are loaded. We'll get back to you guys coming up on the other side. Uh, Stephen Holder, top of the hour, helps us sift through this and clarifying some stuff. There's a lot of stuff to get to, uh, especially in terms of of contractually, that we'll dive into. And, and I, I know, and I know this by James Boyd, and I completely respect it because these guys, like James and Stephen, you know, and Zach, when he was these guys, you know, Nate Atkins, these guys are all every day, and they cannot throw around junk like I do. And I respect that a great deal, and I understand it. But I have just always been of the thought that as far as the injury is concerned, I just didn't know how much injury was actually involved here. Uh, It seems like it's more both sides playing games to see who can come out victorious in this standoff. We'll ask Stephen Holder about that coming up at the top of the hour. The conversation is absolutely jumping inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You guys get there as well. The stream, the app, HD Radio, Jonathan Taylor on PUP. The saga continues. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny. David Letterman. Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. That Greg Rakestraw, Brad Spielberger earlier podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Stephen Holder at 5. Hey, read that Stephen Holder tweet again. And this is what I was talking about regarding utilizing the reserve PUP list. Can you read that again, James? Yeah, so somebody asked Holder on Twitter uh, about if he thought Taylor was actually injured. And Holder's reply was, I'll offer you the same answer I've given everyone else. Jonathan Taylor is the only person who can honestly answer this. That being said, his health was not the obstacle to the trade. Uh, The price tag was that first rounder. And the Colts set that so high that it was unreasonable for even a team like Miami that feels that they're in a great position to contend, couldn't reach it. Yeah, NFL players on the the reserve PUP list can't practice. These four games, I'd mention the first four, I think Jacksonville, Houston, Baltimore, and the Rams off the top of my head right there. Um, as opposed to the active PUP list, players on this list stop counting toward the roster limit. And you got to be on the list by the 53-man roster cut-down deadline, which was at 4 o'clock today, and that's when this decision evidently was made. Uh, so there you go. And under contract for a final year or two. So he's going to get paid and paid in full. Uh, JMV, this is an ideal scenario for Jonathan Taylor if no trade gets paid while saving his body for his next contract. 
I think the problem is he's got to get some service time in this season, though, CB, right? At some point this year, I think he's got to get some service time in. But no, I mean, the first part about it is right. I mean, this is how that's playing out. He's getting paid, and he's not going to offer his services to the team that is paying him while they continue to try to figure this out. And then you'll get to that first game, and if there's a struggle, who knows how your opinion is going to be after that first game. Like, I told you this after watching them play last Thursday against Philly. And this is not any breaking news by any stretch, but you could tell that a guy like him, a home run hitting when healthy type of guy, is necessary. Necessary with this team, necessary right now. So that takes a great deal away. You could just help ease your rookie quarterback in. And this is nothing against, you know, Evan Hall or Deion Jackson or whomever. But this is more about what they haven't been and more about what he has been combined to what is necessary here. So, yeah, hopefully that spells it out for you. Yeah, there is a time, I believe there is a time limit on PUP. Uh, and, and that, I mean, that's why, and Adam Schefter brought this up. I mean, at the end of this four-week period, we'll see where this thing ends up. Seems like this is more buying some time here. I wonder if we'll ever find out if Taylor would have just taken any more money this year, just to boost and pay. Because the Colts haven't negotiated. The Colts have just kind of sat there and, you know, obviously they floated out stories and Jim Irsay has, you know, sent social media posts. But... They haven't negotiated anything. There hasn't been no offer, at least from our knowledge, and we would have known this by now. Now, in terms of me talking about how, you know, I have questioned all along the whole PUP thing and, you know, physically unable to perform and and the not passing a physical or being medically cleared and all this stuff. And when you go back to what we had talked about a moment ago, there's a screenshot of Jonathan Taylor's Twitter account or X account where a fan of his had tweeted out the Colts are holding Jonathan Taylor hostage. And uh, initially he liked that. Initially liked it. And then he, he took the like down. And that's to me more evidence again, that nothing to do would be good to go tomorrow if he was satisfied with what he was getting paid and had something longer term. Uh, That's been my thought all along. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Let's get Craig on board here. Line four, Craig, hello. Hi, John. How are you doing? Craig, fantastic. Uh, If you ask me how I feel, I feel pretty terrible right now because (laughs) – 
<laughs> Jonathan Taylor was my keeper player. Yeah. Draft we had last. <laughs> yeah, the fantasy football owners out there probably are going to be bummed out about this if they thought maybe this guy could be counted on to put up some numbers this year. Yeah. Well, I, I, abbreviated I, 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 at best is going to be at best. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this about the PUP. Is that a league-wide rule or is that a team rule? Like, if somebody had some injuries early in the season and they were desperate and wanted to trade, now would he would Jonathan Taylor still have to remain on the PUP list with a new team, or how does that work? Well, I mean, if 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 he if he were okay, if there's an if there's an injury, there's a different PUP list for those that are done for the season. This is the reserve PUP list, and you know, obviously for this, it's it doesn't count against the 53 man. And it it also it, it, to me this is the first four games of the season for those that have been deemed physically unable to go just yet. Now listen, I I don't know for certain if you can manipulate this, and this is just me yapping, right? I don't know if you can man- manipulate it, but I've been around here long enough to know that the first time you think there's no chance of that happening, it does happen. So I'm very skeptical. Like, I, I've said this all along. I, I think that if he were offered up a new deal right now, or if he got traded to Miami instead of this going yeah. down today, Craig, I think that deal yeah. would be ready pretty quick. So, I, I think both sides both sides are using this to the best of their ability right now. I could be completely wrong, and somebody could tell me to shut up because it's outrageous and the dude is really injured, and I shouldn't be saying that, but that's how I felt all along, Craig, honestly. Yeah, so, I got that. Yeah, I got that. Craig, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. It's all about the certain amount of leverage that you have, and that's just that's a card that that Taylor's side had the opportunity to play. Was it Stephen Holder? Stephen Holder that mentioned that um, he kind of agrees with me with that tweet, right about. You know, maybe not being as injured as that suggests. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, you do. You got to wait four weeks now. I mean, that's why Adam Schefter mentioned the the trade deadline of, I think, August the 31st, I think, is the trade deadline. I mean, now you got to wait. Yeah, ain't nothing going to happen right now. Yeah, see, Joe said PUP list would prevent Taylor from playing if he were traded today. No, you know, I just that used that as a hypothetical. I mean, once he went on that list, that was a foregone conclusion. That's why Adam Schefter mentioned the trade deadline. I mentioned that as a hypothetical of if he were traded today instead of placed on PUP, the reserve PUP, that I think that he could go tomorrow. But that's just my speculation. And I think also, I think it's magnified. And you can say, well, you're trying to read the tea leaves, and that's unfair. But I think you look at him liking that particular tweet, and I think that gives you a little vision inside, too. You know, liking Jonathan Taylor being held hostage, which evidently he's decided to pull back. But that's how he feels. And if you feel that way, you would have to think that if he 
had something to his liking, he would have the ability to come back and play. I don't think there's any question about that. All right, if you're on hold, I'll get back to you. i got plenty of time for you as well. Stephen Holder's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour for his latest right there and what he thinks the deal might have been. And no doubt no team was going to number one on this or with a first rounder, but what was the high water mark that the Dolphins offered that clearly the Colts had zero interest in? We'll ask Stephen about that, and where do we go from here? Trade deadline? Remember, Jim Irsay also said, come October, we're not going to trade him either. And I know that we have said, well, wait a minute, now you're going against your word. Now you're going to offering up for trade. Because you say, or it's rumored that you have said through reports that you're willing to let your guy go out and his representation find a trade, and then you put that first rounder up there. I mean, you just want that out there. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to trade him for anything. And that's where we are right here because they weren't. They had zero intention. Now, that wasn't Jim Irsay going against his word. That wasn't the – that was – they had zero intent. That's my thought. Zero intention of trading him whatsoever. And I think that that liking of the tweet tells you that. I think that liking of the tweet tells you that uh, the health may not be the largest of issues right here. And you get four more weeks of this, at least. And then some. Quick break. We'll come back with your calls and more. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, Jonathan Taylor on the reserve PUP list. Uh, your questions are coming in fast and furiously here. B-Rad says, my understanding is that if you're on the 53 and get placed on PUP, you can return uh, post four games. If you're not rostered, you're placed on PUP, you're out for the year. Now, here's, here's the situation once again. Uh, where the Colts kind of find themselves, right? So there's a PUP, which is an active list. NFL players on that list. Practice players placed on the list during training camp. They count toward the 90 men that in camp can be removed to the list at any time and could go back on the list at any time. Got to be counted toward the 53 men on the final roster cuts with that. Now, the reserve PUP starts the season, the first four weeks of the season. And... If you're placed on that list, you will miss the first four. Absolutely. As opposed to the active PUP list, players on the list stop counting toward the roster limit. And the Colts had to make that decision on the reserve PUP list by 4 o'clock today, which they did because you have the uh, 53-man roster cut down deadline mandated by the NFL at 4 o'clock. So that's that's his situation right now. Thomas Marquis writes this, the Colts are showing literally what not to do with franchise players. A couple of things here. While they like him, I don't know how long it's been, especially this past year I would guess since they thought of him in terms of that a franchise player now 
you can look back and Chris Ballard again has extended guys, you know, what we call non-essential positions, whether you're talking about left guard or linebacker or what have you. And as I've said all along regarding Jonathan Taylor, that this this situation was just more to me necessary to try to meet somewhere in the middle because of the situation that you're in. And again, they can prove me wrong. I mean, Evan Hall can be just as good. You know, Zach Moss can quickly come back from a broken arm situation. You know, a lot of people liked him down the stretch last year. I'm just looking at this in terms of what I think is necessary to move this quarterback with this team forward and to produce and to help take a lot of the pressure off of him. And for it not oftentimes to be a disaster. You just look for playmakers. And let's just face it, when healthy, there's no greater playmaker on this team than Jonathan Taylor. So I would still have to find out exactly why, who's at fault, why, you know, the Colts stood their ground, which is their option. But if they felt it was necessary, as maybe I do, or maybe some of you do, if you have equal thinking, as do I, why you could not, and I've said massage the situation a number of times, why you couldn't do that. Now, I know everything got haywire back and forth or whatever, but it doesn't mean that the need for this guy, and we'll see if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. You know, if, if Moss and Jackson, Moss returns and is good, Jackson, you know, Evan Hall, if these guys perform at a high level, I just, there is a greater possibility that you're going to get that from a healthy Jonathan Taylor than you are with any of those guys. I talk about this when we go into seasons all the time. You need sure things. You want to have some sure things. Remember I brought that up regarding Rigoberto Sanchez last year. He's the punter, right? They lost him for the season. Well, he's the punter. Go out there. They're a dime a dozen. Get one. Whatever. And you know what that did? That, that took away an aspect of that team that you trusted. It was a foregone conclusion. You had it wrapped up. He was good. You didn't have to worry about it. Same can be said regarding Ashton Doolin, not as a wide receiver, but uh, as, you know, a big time contributor to special teams. That was something that he always brought was that aspect. And now you take that away. It's going to be difficult to make that up. We saw that with the punting situation a year ago. You see that going into this season with special teams. The last place that you want to see that is with an offense with a 20-year-old quarterback. So inexperienced, you want him to have some help. And when healthy, to me, it's a foregone conclusion that Jonathan Taylor would be a home run hitting type of significant health threat. I mean, as far as helping out his rookie quarterback, healthy, I think that works, and you can count on that. This team does not have enough you can count on. All right, get back to that coming up in a minute. Your call, stay on hold. I will get to you. Greg Extraw, Brad Spielberg, a little bit earlier, too, and Stephen Holder going to join us again. Jonathan Taylor on the reserve PUP list as of this afternoon. Talk about that. Talk about maybe if we can find out exactly what the Dolphins were offering 
how high up the ladder they went on that Colts reported price tag. We'll do that and a lot more. A lot of info coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Greg Rakestraw, Brad Spielberger. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Robert Mays of The Athletic Tomorrow. Uh, the latest today, as of 4 o'clock, that deadline, Jonathan Taylor placed on the reserve PUP list, so he's not eligible for the first four weeks of the season. Again, it's uh, Jacksonville, Houston, the Ravens, and the Rams, if you're keeping track. Back to your phones inside the lounge via YouTube Live and 239-1070 coming at you in just a second. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, Stephen Holder joins us. So were you privy to seeing the liked tweets of one Jonathan Taylor within the last hour? Uh, people sent them to me, uh, sent me screenshots of them. So I guess uh, it is what it is. But but listen, I mean, <laughs> I'll reiterate something. You know, I'll go back to the middle of July, and I was I, I was worried that maybe I was too far out there by saying it. But I was telling people, I said, when Jonathan Taylor reports to camp, there could be problems. And I didn't take any joy in saying that. But here we are, man. We're, we're you know we're six weeks after, you know, those initial reports that I made, and this thing is still a mess. Um, and, and that's what I just tweeted just now, just reiterated here. After all this, okay, after all the talk and all of the drama, this thing has basically gotten us to a point where no one won. No one wins here. Jonathan Taylor is not going to make more money. He's not going to be on the field. The Colts didn't accomplish anything either. They don't have their best player, perhaps, on the field on in week one. You know, with their rookie quarterback, that doesn't make them better. So, I mean, it's not my job to judge, you know, to judge who should have did what and could have did this or that. I mean, we all know that, that everyone involved could have handled this differently, but that is my takeaway here is that no one won and this has accomplished nothing. Why, why could they not have at least some point as I've called it, massaged the situation and met sort of in the middle. And I will say this about the Colts. I mean, the Colts kind of act like that they have this incredibly talented team, and they don't. I mean, you can't just dismiss guys that are the best offensive weapon on your team as easily as clearly the Colts are doing with this. I will say this before before I get to the the meat of your question. I I felt in the offseason this team – you know, I, I think I think like six to eight wins is kind of where I have fallen, and just you know, just thinking about what they are. But the more training camp went on, and the more I saw just the lack of depth with this team, I felt worse about it <laughs> by the day. So I'm with you. And so anyway, you know, why couldn't they figure this out? I, I don't know. We saw other examples of teams and players who were unhappy figuring things out. We, we saw it. We saw multiple instances of that around the league. I mean, there were different situations. I, I understand that. They were different. Jo- Josh Jacobs' situation was different. He had some leverage because he was on the franchise tag and, and had not signed it, so he's not under contract. So he had some leverage. But he also had a lot of money sitting on the table, and 
And the leverage for the Raiders was, hey, you want to get paid, better show up. And so Saquon Barkley, kind of a similar situation there. And he didn't gain very much, but if anything, at least it's an olive branch. You know what I'm saying? Even if you figure, oh, they just they gave him, you know, some BS incentives and it's only like a million bucks. But it's an olive branch. It's something. It massages things a little bit. And so the Raiders did the same with Josh Jacobs. They said, look, we'll throw you a bone. And that's all it was. It was a bone. But, you know, a $2 million bone is worth something or whatever it was, right? So, uh, you know, we saw the Cowboys do that, right, with their with their big offensive linemen. So I don't know. And I, I really do think everybody could have taken – different paths in this situation and it, it is unfortunate and and the last thing I'll, I'll say before I shut up is you know Jonathan Taylor's gotten kind of dumped on throughout this and and he hasn't he doesn't come out of this smelling good either but but I would also add I don't think it's fair to just look at his position and say ah this is unreasonable I mean look Shaq Leonard got a contract extension when he was sitting on the PUP list and they didn't know what his deal was. Okay. And then Quentin Nelson got a contract extension the year after he was completely beat up. So I get it. You know, I I understand where he's coming from. Uh, That doesn't mean he had leverage. It doesn't mean that they should cave. I'm just, I'm just stating facts. These are facts. Yeah. I'm curious that does Jonathan Taylor, does it look bad because no team, and, and, and clearly the Colts set a price tag that nobody was going to meet. Completely but w- was there also a shot across the bow of okay, um, put it out there. We'll put it out there for you, but you know the, these teams aren't going to you know be jumping at your door to meet our price tag. Therefore, this is your worth. And they, I mean, was this was there a little back and forth going there too? I don't know if you would call it gamesmanship. I don't know if you would just call it kind of mm-hmm. you know, dirty dealing. I don't know what you would call it. What would you call it? It was a weird deal. I'll say this. I mean, you don't see this very often. It does happen from time to time. And the most notable recent case, I think, is Tyreek Hill, yeah. where the Chiefs said, we are never paying you that amount of money. And, but if you can find, some, if you can find a deal where, that we can live with and you can find somebody to pay you, knock yourself out. So Drew Rosenhaus, to his credit, went to work and he found somebody. Now, that was a wide receiver in his prime. This is a running back at a time when that position is completely devalued. So, so this was a really tough position to be in if you are Jonathan Taylor's agent. You got to go out there. You got to drum up the interest. You got to find the deal, and you got to find somebody willing to pay him as well. Because otherwise, what's even the point? So, you talk about everything working against you. Yeah, it, it was. That being said, I, I'll tell you. Look, I mean, the talks with Miami—they were like super legitimate, like really legitimate. And there were some names thrown out there. I'm not going to say the names because a lot of times this stuff no, gets lost. No, I, I think you should and yeah. blame it on me. Blame it on me. <laughs> but look, I mean, they, they were, I think there was some, there was some willingness on the Dolphins part, but I don't think the, I don't think the needs of, of the players they were throwing around lined up with the Colts needs. Or let me let me rephrase that. The needs of the Colts didn't line up with what they were putting on the table. So how how robust how robust were the offers coming from Miami? I I don't know what they were offering from a pick perspective. I don't think they got to. I think it was. Let's put it this way. I, I think I think the Colts 
would have would have been very interested if you get to a a second round pick and a good player. I think that might have had the potential to get it done. Just I don't have all the information. I'm just going based on. Do you think they got lowballed? Do you think the Colts were getting lowballed? Uh, a little, I, mean, I, I guess you would have to be if, if, you, right word, if you set the price tag at a number one, then I guess you'd have to get low ball because nobody was going to meet it and you oh, knew right. it. Right. If you tell me you want $2 million for your house and then I go look at it and I'm like, well, okay, well, this thing's worth $500,000. I'm going to offer you $500,000. <laughs> it was just what it, it is, what it is. So that's what this is. I don't call it low ball because they were offering what they think is reasonable. The other thing here is, we are, let's also acknowledge, we are in late August, okay? So minimal, a minimal number of teams even have the money. A minimal number of teams have the willpower to do it right now. And then, you know, just your roster is where it is. You've spent all offseason building your rosters. And so now when you come in late August and tell me, hey, if you can find a trade, go for it. <laughs> well, it's the worst time to find a, a big blockbuster trade, you know? So, look, I mean, everyone with eyes could tell that this was – there were many obstacles to this thing from the beginning. But that doesn't mean that if the Colts wanted to do it, they couldn't do it. They, they could have done a deal. There, was, there were deals to be done, but whatever compensation was offered, they just – they couldn't live with it. And I, I get it. That's totally fine. So we're talking active players – like active players more than picks is what you were hearing. Uh, both, both. Okay. It would be it would be a combination. It would have been a combination is what I was expecting. If it was going to happen, I thought it was going to be a combination player and pick or picks hey, whatever it ended up being. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com joins us. I know you got uh, you got to go a little bit earlier than normal, so no, I want to well, run. It, it ended up being a little quieter. Uh, okay. So, yeah, well, if you got if you got more time, I, I got a lot for you. Yeah. I, I got a lot for you. And why do you believe that you know through extending Leonard, through extending Nelson, you know, even giving Naheem Hines an extension and going all the way back to giving Luck twenty five million dollars as a parting gift? Why organizationally have they drawn the line in the sand here with Jonathan Taylor? I think you're asking the right question. And and it's it is interesting. Now and they didn't just extend those guys. They gave them market-changing deals. Okay? Let's let's be clear about what they did. It's not just that they extended them. They gave them landmark contracts. Okay? So, I am not suggesting that that Jonathan Taylor should get a landmark contract, but but to not engage him at all I mean, I'm not surprised that he had a, a bad reaction to it. I'm not saying the reaction was proportionate. The Colts wouldn't say that it was. But, I mean, if you're surprised that Jonathan Taylor's pissed off, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right? I just don't know what to tell you because of the precedent that's been set. And, and I keep hearing from people, well, uh, he should trust them. They have a precedent. They've paid their guys. And they're leaving people who say that they're leaving out one part of that story, though. That's what you just said. They have, they have set a different kind of precedent, which is to pay guys before the end of those rookie contracts. Now, I, I think to your to your question, why? A couple things is what I think, um, or there, there's a couple possibilities. Put it that way. A couple of those deals did not work out ideally for Chris Ballard, right? I mean. 
we could make that argument. How do we feel about what the value they've gotten from Shaquille Leonard so far? I mean, I think they did the right thing at the time. I don't think they knew that he would have two years of, of injury complications at the time. But, but you could see how maybe that makes you gun-shy. I will tell you, there are people who work for other teams who, who think that. They think that may be part of this, that Chris Ballard got gun-shy. Fair, it's, a, it's a fair question. You know, I can't answer it. Only he can answer that, he being Chris Ballard. Uh, the, the other thing at work here is there's, there's this kind of, like, philosophical shift going on here, and I, I want Chris Ballard to explain it more fully tomorrow. He's going to talk to us. And I want him to explain this a little more. He alluded to it in his initial press conference when training camp started. You might recall he said, look, you know, we got a new coach and, and you know, it's, uh, it's an evaluation year, well, all that. Okay, but, I mean, like, teams hire new coaches all the time and, and bring in, you know, new coordinators and so forth, and they still re-sign good players. I don't know what the hell that has to do with anything. I think that's, I think that's kind of a, a strange answer. So I don't know that if you, if you don't want to play the guy right now, that is fine. But I'm, but to your point, the, the rationale for it is where I have questions. And, and that's what I think is interesting. Well, yeah. And yeah, the whole change in philosophy thing, I would say after six years, it's about damn time and that's okay. I just don't know if again, I would draw the line in the sand with this guy right now, if he's healthy and then and second, plenty of money, by the way, plenty, plenty, plenty of money. money. It just, I mean, yeah. it just, it, it, it looks like you believe that you're something that you aren't. And then by the way, did I look right on the rock? They have four wide receivers. Did I look because at that they only right? Have four worth keeping, John. What are they doing? What is this change in philosophy? You, that's don't. that's their old philosophy. <laughs> they only have four worth keeping. I think they're going to pick somebody up. Is what Good. It is. I hope so. <laughs> and, you know, I, I actually when I did my my fifty three man projection that they make us do, which really just sets you up for ridicule. I, I don't know why bosses make us do this, <laughs> yeah. but anyhow, when I did mine, I, I'm telling you, I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, I only like four of these guys. Uh, at wide receiver, I was I was sitting there trying to get up the nerve to only keep four, but I said, ah, they'll probably just keep a, keep a fifth just because, and I should have just did it because I was right. Well, they, they mean, kept twenty seven tight ends though, I guess, right? That's the right move though. I like yeah. the tight ends. I actually think that's where their that's where their their pass catching talent really is. It's at tight end and. It'll be up to them to develop those guys. They're not there yet. They're, none of those guys are really finished products, but but the upside is in that room. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, they they really got to get a lot out of those you know few wide receivers they have because man, it's it's a short list right now. My thought is this: I think that that and again they're going to make other moves. I understand this, but as I I view it right now with all that is involved, they have completely to me set their inexperienced 20-year-old rookie quarterback up for an absolute mess of a rookie season. Well, uh, look, all you had to do is watch the Philadelphia game last week. Who made a play for him? Name one. Name yeah. a person who made a play for Anthony Richardson. Yeah, guys that are um, supposed to. Name somebody that gets open. They don't have wide receivers that can get open still. It, it was disappointing. It was really disappointing. Against and twos look, and threes. And look, Alec Pierce is the guy who can win matchups. He's the guy who runs – you know, legitimately four four forty time, and so he's the guy who has to has to beat people one on one, and and he can do that, and then he does it 
but he doesn't bring the ball in. And I'm starting to get concerned about it. Like, I mean, I, I'm a big Alec Pierce guy. I, I think he, I think he has the tools, but I mean, you got to do it when the lights are on, man. It is what it is, you know, and, and, and I, you can't crown you until you do it, you know? So I think the pressure's on him. He's got to do it. And then Michael Pittman, I think Michael Pittman has shown us what he is and what he is is fine. I, I think that's fine. The question is, you know, without a truly elite wide receiver, is that enough? And, and that's a question that's yet to be answered. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You know, I mentioned hey, – before, before we go on, can I just yeah. add one, one yeah, go ahead. thought sure. on that? Just sure. to bring it all full circle, take this back to Jonathan Taylor. So the one truly elite uh, playmaker that you have is now – you know, basically going to be sitting on the sideline chewing, you know, sunflower seeds and pissed off. I'm not saying you placate everybody who's mad, but I'm just saying he's the only he's the only playmaker they have who has proven himself consistently. And here we are. Of the plans that they have had in the past three years, this may be right up there. And they've had some doozies, Stephen, as we're well aware of here. This may be this may be right up there. I, I mentioned that that tweet that was uh, allegedly liked by Jonathan Taylor, and then he he uh, unliked it. I guess is is what you do uh, as far as holding him. A fan of his said that he was being held hostage. He initially liked it and then took that back. I I already had this, and you know I've I've explained this to you a number of times. I think if the dude got what he wanted or anywhere in the ballpark of what he wanted, he'd be out there in uniform tomorrow playing. I think you've agreed with me on this. How do how does one how does one navigate being healthy by being placed on the reserve PUP list as as my belief would be how does that work just so just you not physically you, cleared I'll give you my my educated opinion on this okay because the reason I can't be more more or talk with more certainty is because we got to hear it from Jonathan Taylor, I feel like. And, and until we do, then we can't really say what is, you know, what, what is his physical status, right? Because, because it's, he has, he has kind of given them his version and, and all that. So I think we need to hear it from Jonathan, but I would say this, I think that I, I largely agree with you. I think he would certainly be more motivated to be out there. <laughs> I don't think there's any question about yeah. that. Now, now here's the reality, though. If the Colts would have activated Jonathan Taylor today, and it's easy to say, hey, call his bluff, right? Call his bluff and make him go practice. Make him play. And that sounds good, but it's not very difficult for a player to say, hey, I'm hurt, and, and I'm going to challenge you on this that creates a, a whole can of worms that I don't know. I've never even really dealt with for the most part. Yeah, I think they've opened up every single other can of worms. So why not, That's I guess, true. open that up, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you talk about it being a mess. I mean, yeah. that's making a bigger mess of it. So, so look, they put him on pup and, and what that does is, is it gives you, you know, it, it kind of buys you some time to figure out, all right, how do we navigate this from here on out? I think. It's uh, Stephen Holder who is with us. So, for Jonathan Taylor, you get, you know, obviously PUP for four weeks, and he still needs service time. You get service time at the year. At some point, he's got to play someplace, right? At some point? Uh, So, that is, 
yeah, the way I understand it, he's got to he's got to actually make it to the active roster at some point. I, I can't remember the number of games, but he's got to make it to the active roster at some point uh, to get that credited season. Look, I mean, he, he'll he'll do what he has to do unless he's a complete idiot. I, I don't anticipate that he that he is. I, I have no indication that he is an idiot. So, <laughs> so Andre Taylor will get his credited season um, unless you know the Colts. I don't know, unless they take this a step further and just don't activate him. I don't know how that works or how that helps anyone, but I don't anticipate that happening. But but I don't know how we get there is the, is the question, right? I mean, at some point, he has to get the will to go out there and say, all right, I'm going to go play. I'm, I'm okay now. And we're not there now. <laughs> I mean, we're certainly not there now. So well, if he feels know. he's being held hostage, that doesn't sound like a dude that's going to get out there anytime soon and do anything. And doesn't seem very motivated to me to get out there. So, so I, I don't know. I, I I'm very, I'm very eager to hear what Chris Ballard has to say about this. And I look, I have asked Chris repeatedly over the last few weeks, you know, without betraying his confidence, the things that he's told me off the record. But I will just tell you, my takeaway, the the question was like, all right, how do you rectify this man? Like you have an unadulterated mess, and it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Like, I don't care. But I've asked him, like, how do you fix this? And I haven't gotten a straight answer on that because I don't think they have one. So <laughs> great. <laughs> I, I don't know. Great. I don't know that they know. So we'll see. That's we'll see. great. Where do we begin yeah. on that? They have no idea. I, I mean, hey, think about it, right? What What's the next move for them, right? What do they do? They, well, we, we have you, 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 you got to think about it in terms of, okay, what can they screw up next? Right? right? I mean, look, you got no offensive line depth. Uh, you got four wide receivers. Your best, your most productive, your best offensive players on PUP. Uh, you've ostracized. I mean, you've done so much to this team already. What more can you do that's detrimental to the growth of your rookie quarterback, which is what we're all caring about? Yeah, and, and then to boot on defense, I don't hate the defense, but I, I'm just – concern about some areas of the defense like yeah. you know certainly when you talk about the young corners like, okay we're talking in terms of potential there so a lot of, I got to push back when I talked about how thin they were at corner and like yeah I get it they drafted three of them but that's just the point they drafted three of them and like of the five corners on the roster three of them are rookies <laughs> like all right so like what do you think that's going to look like initially yeah i'd like so, to give them the benefit of the doubt on it but yeah that's especially without edge I pressure see it. so yeah i gotta see it first yeah, right? and, and that's the thing the edge rush is the edge rush better than last year spoiler the, the answer is well, no yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well, and now you wouldn't that great last year either upgraded. so yeah um, they didn't upgrade it you know they have yeah. a bunch of they have a bunch of uh really physical edge players who I like, but when it's when it's third and eight, I need somebody who's going to smell blood in the water and go get the quarterback. And so, you know, Samson Buchan, who they brought in from San Francisco, I mean, he is not going to have a Bosa brother on the other side from him. So it's going to be a little different reality here, you know? So I don't know. I, I don't feel better about the edge rush. I, I, so anyway, I don't know. I, I just don't know that those things have a direct link, I should say, to – you talked about Anthony Richardson. Those things have a direct link to the quarterback's success because they dictate how many points he's going to have to score, <laughs> okay, to be completely honest with you. The answer is maybe a lot. 
It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us. I was just thinking about this the other day, and I don't know if this has been brought up. And now where we are, do you think the Colts would have been more inclined to trade Jonathan Taylor if Jim Irsay would have not made those public declarations about not trading him before the start of the season, not trading him during the season? Would they have been more inclined organizationally to make a deal had it not been for those owners' declarations earlier? Mm-hmm. That is that is a good question. I, I actually think not necessarily because even though this didn't happen, I really believe now, and and I'm talking, I'm saying this based on on what Colts people have told me and Jonathan's camp. I really believe there was a willingness to trade him if the right deal materialized. Now we again, we knew it was going to be tough for that deal to actually come to pass, but I I truly believe uh, that everybody involved was was you know meant this. Um, sincerely, like if, if there was a deal, they'd trade him. I mean, that was I got every indication that they were legitimately willing to trade him. So, so to your question, I, I don't think Ursay's you know sort of statement. I don't think that necessarily is what kept this from getting done. Um, and frankly, their willingness to you know to allow Jonathan Taylor to go seek a deal, I think that that demonstrates it even further. Um, where's Zach Moss as far as recovery time? Something I'm sure you guys will ask Chris Ballard yeah. tomorrow when he meets with you, but where do you think he is now? Um, I'm guessing he's closer. I mean, they've got, what is it, three backs on the roster, I believe. So uh, you got to think he's close. I, I remember when he first got hurt, that I did hear a little bit different timeline than was initially given by, by some reports. I think the initial timeline reported was six weeks. And then someone in the building told me it, it could be four to six weeks based on what their people were saying. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, four weeks is, I think, like this week or next week. You know, So he could be close. Uh, but but, yeah. but even so, I, I think that position, it just doesn't have enough juice for me. Um. You know, I think you have complementary backs on this roster right now. You don't have a true starting running back. I mean, ask the the Buffalo Bills about Zach Moss, right? I mean, they they felt otherwise. So I don't know. That, that's how I see it. Um, it people are going to say, "Hey, you're preaching doom and gloom," and I'm not. I, I think this is something that um, should be reasonably said, and I'll say it. I mean, you look at all the rosters where we are right now around the NFL and compare that to the Colts, where would they rank? Mm. Uh, hard to say. I mean, I, I don't think they rank. They, it depends on how you look at it and what you prioritize. So if you prioritize elite talent, well, they don't have enough of it in my estimation. And, and I think they, they rank toward the bottom in that department. Now there's other ways to evaluate the roster. And I think depth of your roster is another way you can look at it. Right. And, and I think from that perspective, they've in the past actually measured up pretty well at times. I don't think they do this year. And so I can't even give them a benefit of the doubt there. And, and training camp, I believe kind of reinforced that. You know, that, that the depth is an issue. Um, you're going to have some young guys who flash. You will have that. 
that will happen and it will be it will show promise that's great but i think it's going to be a repeat of what we saw in camp which is they flash and then they look like a kid <laughs> in the next snap right and and so ultimately what that leaves you with is not very good results so no yeah they're they're definitely a bottom half roster and the only question is, are they like bottom third? You know, obviously bottom half. I, the question is, are they bottom third? And the one thing that can elevate your roster, even if it's bad, is the quarterback. Okay. Now, as much as I love Anthony Richardson and think that he is going to exceed expectations, I do believe that. I can't put that on him yet. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't taken his first snap and, and it's, it, it's they're going to be rough moments. Like let's just let's just accept it, you know. Yeah. So that they don't even get a boost there, you know. So it's it's tough, man. I, I actually the good thing about Anthony is that he's he's headstrong because he's going to need it this year. I think <laughs> there is nothing you have to admit more Ballard than right now carrying four wide receivers. There's nothing more Ballard than that. And I know it's not going to stay that way, but yeah. you just look at that on paper on the roster right now and you go that's quite hilarious what, it is they they wanted them some Jalen Waddle from Miami and Miami just laughed at him okay <laughs> did they make so they took a swing at Jalen Waddle I mean yeah hell yeah they're like you know Jalen Waddle would really look good in a coach uniform <laughs> Come on, you know, that, I would have grown a, a sports arousal pup tent right here in studio over that <laughs> the Dolphins just basically were like Okay, we're hanging up now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're hanging up. I mean, you see, know. that's just another one of those unreasonable things, right? Okay, first rounder or Jalen Waddle? Okay, no. I mean, there's just no way right. that's happening. Again, like I said, I mean, go ahead and put your house on the market, John, for $2 bucks, and let me know what happens. <laughs> hey, give us a couple of days. Is your house $2 million? I don't know. Oh, um, yeah, I just got some really it. sweet landscaping done from Sundown Gardens, man. <laughs> it makes it look great, dude. Let me tell you. Great. I've hey, never listen. watered. I've never watered plants in my life until the last month. You should see me out there that's watering. How you, that's how you get the $2 million house. You, you really lay, you really lean in hard to the sponsorships. There you go. Anyway, like yes, it. exactly. Oh, man, they made it look great. Hey, what are some of the important dates as we, we look forward here? I know we got four weeks, and then what are, what are some of these important dates regarding Jonathan Taylor and what might be the sequel coming up here at the end of the month? Yeah, so when, he, when, when that four-week – window ends they are at that point uh, the Colts are able to to activate him and then he well actually let me rephrase that he goes into the into the the portion of the the period where he can he can practice I believe there's a 21 day window at least that's how it used to be you get a 21 day window you can practice and not count against the 53 man roster just yet and at some point in there they'll need to to actually activate him once they once they start that that clock, they don't have to start it at four weeks. You can stay on there longer, but once the clock starts, then you got those 21 days to actually activate them and move them to the active roster, or he just reverts and, and stays on pup the rest of the year. So that's the other thing. Um, I think beyond that, we're talking about the trade deadline, October 31st. I mean, I do think this is going to be a conversation at the trade deadline. Um, I'm not saying they're going to get some great deal, but, you know, it, it, depending on how things go between now and then in, in terms of the relationship between player and, and team, maybe they consider it. You know, I mean, that's when we saw the 
the Christian McCaffrey deal done last year with, with San Francisco. So circumstances change, you know, over, over, you know, six or eight weeks and, and, you know, teams approach to the situation can change as well. But there is a way, I mean, through, I mean, can he get paid? Can he play this out the entire season? I, I mean, I know you got to come off after four weeks of PUP, but right. is there a way that they can leverage getting paid for the season and not doing anything for a team that apparently he loathes right now? I'll double check on this, but my understanding is, you know, the, the collective bargaining agreement is written in Greek, but my reading of it and my understanding of it is he has to, he has to actually make it to the active roster for for a period of time, you know, to to get the season to count. So that's so the clock is, is ticking. Yeah, there is a there is a clock in that regard, right? So, so but right now, both both sides are basically just they're biding their time right now. That's what they're doing. Uh, Mark writes this: their roster is the bottom quartile of the bottom quartile of NFL ooh, rosters. Ooh, ooh. Zing. I'm going to leave that one alone. That's the catch for itself. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you. There was a lot to go through right there. I don't even know. We didn't even touch on the offensive line because they have no depth there either. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that when they got the four spot on the waiver wire? That thing's going to be as active as any four spot in the history of four spots, I would have to think. Listen, I was just waiting to see, are they going to actually keep 53 players? <laughs> so, <laughs> they actually found 53, so that's a, that's progress. That's well, Mel was just saying, yeah, you guys talk about wide receivers. I'm going to keep four. How do you like that? Talk about wide receivers some more. Great. <laughs> and we will. <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate you. All right, guys. I'll see you. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Good Lord. You think any of this is ever going to end? Like people suggest to me, not a lot, just a couple, that I'm preaching doom and gloom. But do you ever think there's like an end game to all this crap? I mean, that's the way it is. That's what it is. And all you do, all you do right now is is you slow the development of what you need most. It really. On so many levels, it makes zero sense to me. Now, if somebody else out there can make sense out of it, then so be it. You call me, 239-1070. It makes zero sense to me. Yeah, I know. A change in philosophy, a reboot in your seventh year. James, I know I got to run here. My bad. Uh, we got the Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day coming up. Somebody's going to win 50-50 in betting and dining from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino and Anderson. And listen, if you have the answers, why this is just, and I don't mean just the Jonathan Taylor thing, but overall, this is the path to greatness in helping your quarterback in the now. Somebody let me know what I'm missing out on. Quick break. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. and 107.5. The Fan. Thought you guys needed a bit of an uplifting song right here. Turn it up really quick for him, would you, James? Uplifting song. Harris Hoosier Park Race of the Day winner Bill Heldman. The winning horse was 50 flat, paid 340 on a $2 bet. 
$2 exacto was $15.60. The 50 cent trifecta went for $16.45. Your Harris Hoosier Park race of the day, Tuesday through Friday, daily right here on this show. 50 50 in betting and dining can be won each day from Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. Your Harris Hoosier Park race of the day. Somebody had asked me to get an actual definition about the situation that Jonathan Taylor is going to be in, especially after the four-week period window is over. Players on the PUP list paid their entire base salary. This is according to the NFL. A player's contract will not be told, meaning the contract will not be suspended and resumed the following season while on the PUP unless he is in the last year of his deal and he is both not able to perform football services as of the six regular season game and is not activated during that regular season or postseason so I asked Stephen you know one of these logical dates going to be that will follow you look further down with that particular rule regarding PUP and you can check that out Uh, that is where we are right now yeah, four wide receivers. Yeah, I know they're going to dig out some more here, but four wide receivers. It's from Eric. So I've got a theory, but it's a bit off the wall. I think that the entire thing has been cooked up. I think Jonathan Taylor's already told them long-term or no deal. That's why the agent changed. Now the rest of this is just orchestrated crap from both sides. I will say this. I think there's a lot of orchestrated crap going on. And I do think it's from both sides. Orchestrated crap for sure. (laughs) Damian Green says three words. Marvin Harrison Jr. Shake my damn head. I respond with three more words. Colts good fortune. Shake my damn head. When's the last time they had it? You haven't seen it in 10 plus years. Yeah, Bobby Jefferson said, man, this Colts, the Colts better utilize the four spot on the waiver wire because this initial 53-man roster has expansion team vibes. You're really expecting this staff to turn water into wine right here. That is absolutely true. Jeremiah Wheatley says, PUP is not the same as OPP. Exactly. You're normally not down with PUP, especially in this situation. Well, I guess Jonathan Taylor is. He's going to get paid. Colts give themselves more time. Anybody else? I asked Stephen Holder this. Anybody else think that maybe the Colts would have dealt Taylor, given the circumstances, had Jim Irsay not made those public declarations about not trading him? Do you think that played a role whatsoever? Now think before you answer, because we've heard and been through stuff like that before. Do you think that that public voice about a month ago had anything at all to do with the price tag elevated so high that nobody was going to touch it? Cheers, Stephen Holder say that the Colts asked for Jalen Waddle. <laughs> 
So at number one, a first-round pick, or how about Jalen Waddell? Okay. Anybody at all think that the owner's voice had something to do with the price tag? You know, obviously a complete unwillingness to make a deal. 239-1070 is the number. Todd is up next today. Hello, Todd. How are you? Hey, I'm great, John. And um, I will promise you I will see you on Friday up in uh, Oh, yeah, that's going to be a blast. I think we all need a blast. I think we all need a bit of a breather. By Friday, we'll get that. And the weekend bender will be on. I can't wait to see you. And... um, the Holder interview was great. You got everything you could out of him. I, I was going to watch Gone with the Wind, but I missed it. Because the interview went. <laughs> it went a little long. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, I've been but known to I've been known to take interviews lengthy. So yes, but like, I mean, it's, I don't want to wait a week to get it back. So I want to make if I have them here, I might as well do it. And I know they down the hall they get mad at me too, Todd, because I'm supposed to hit certain breaks and marks. But I think it's more important while I have somebody here to get the information out to those listening now, instead of waiting until later. So that's just kind of how I work. Heard. Thank you. Hey, um, so our four our four member wide receiver room, which won't probably end up being four. As far as I know, two of those three are also responsible for returning kickoffs or punts one way or another, along with one of our starting cornerbacks. And yeah. that's always a little precarious as well, um, unless they get Richardson returning kickoffs, which is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but 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 I mean I mean I mean it, it's it's I mean I, I feel I feel like you can't have half your receiving team also returning kicks uh, it just it doesn't make any sense i mean and our and by the way our, our running backs where we've had Hines and people like that in the past returning kicks we don't have a whole lot of depth there either i mean it's it's i mean i just don't i just don't see yeah, it they don't have it anywhere let's let yeah find a spot on this team where there is well i guess uh, tied in but you don't know if it's useful depth there are just a lot of them there you don't know how useful it is but no yeah the point that, that Todd's making you got four wide receivers on this roster right now Michael Pittman Jr. Alec Pierce Isaiah McKenzie and Josh Downs the rookie that's what you got and two of them are potentially returning punts elite right so and then and then you mentioned the offensive line, zero depth there I mean there, there's no depth anywhere you running back you know no depth you got bodies and then you got you got a rookie quarterback that needs all the help he can get that is not getting a lot of help organizationally well, speaking, it doesn't seem. I, you know, maybe this is what they ultimately want. Maybe this is the long game being played with everybody talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. It's it's not that easy though. It'd be great if it were. It'd be great if they got him. But it's well, not that easy. That would that would require some good fortune. And again, there's been zero good fortune around here forever. I just don't think they're playing it that way. I think this is what they visualize right now. So, well, in regards to that, you better talk to Arizona first because I'm pretty sure they're worse than us, and they've got Houston's first round pick as well. Yeah, we thought Arizona um, was trying really hard to be bad, and now you kind of look yeah, at yeah. this. I mean, they're getting rid of Simmons, and they dropped McCoy, and they, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, a, it's a competition for, yeah. for who can be that. Hey, um, um, I'll see you in uh, three days, buddy, okay? Thank you. You got it, Todd. Thank you very much. Yeah, I kept Steven on for a while for that very reason. I just had to get a lot. There was a lot to ask. There was a lot to ask. Lots that you wanted to know. Yeah, four wide receivers. There's nothing more Chris Ballard than that. 
And again, I know that they're going to pick up more, but there's nothing more Chris Ballard than four wide receivers. Mm. Always fun going into year number seven. What a party. Uh, Greg Rakesraw, Brad Spielberger, and Stephen Holder. Podcast with each 107.5thefan.com. The reserve PUP list for Jonathan Taylor, who is going to be down but getting paid for the first four weeks of the season. That's the Jaguars, the Texans, the Ravens, and the Rams games, if you're keeping track. And then some, some hardcore dates that we're going to have to highlight to see if they hit it coming up as well. But we'll get back to you on the other side at 239-1070. Set you up for tomorrow. Robert Mays of The Athletic tomorrow. We'll see if he can make any sense of this as well. 93-5107-5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, crank me up here, James. I'm trying to make everybody feel good. When I hear this song, I always feel better. Colts fans, take a listen. I know at least you guys, we, you guys and me will always stay together. But there is a lot of discontent floating around right now. And you guys need a little Al Green to help out. Jonathan Taylor going on the PUP list. Out for at least the first four games of the season. And I've explained the the rules and such and how they work. uh, How it works with service time. uh, Regarding Jonathan Taylor. My opinions on where he is health-wise. Um, you know, basically how this is all being manipulated from both sides. Uh, at the end of it all, am I the only one that believes this is just entirely silly? And we've gone through a lot of silly things, but this is not at the top of the list because we've been there, but this is near the top. It just seems like this is botched. To get to this point, to where you still have clearly this animosity, even going back to Jonathan Taylor liking a tweet that a fan sent him and then immediately unliking it or disliking it or whatever you do. And the fan describing Jonathan Taylor being held hostage by the Colts. I mean, clearly that's a high level of animosity. Yeah, some things we're going to dive in tomorrow. A little bit more about that. You know where where that is, and and why why ultimately you couldn't either come to some sort of amicable type of conclusion that benefits both, even if both might be giving some, or why you continue to want to wallow in the muck of this. That's exactly what you're doing. And you keep this soap opera, this melodrama, this saga going on for another month. And again, you set the price tag high. You don't take anything that the Dolphins were offering, certainly as being reasonable for you, knowing full well they couldn't reach that mark. And here you are. 
Hey, listen, you can add to the roster. You can add to the wide receivers. They have four right now. But this situation leaves such an enhanced mark. We'll get to that tomorrow. The words of the owner, too, about a month ago. Most of that stand to this situation, too. We'll get to that tomorrow. Greg Rakestraw, Brad Spielberger, Stephen Holder, Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Lounge YouTube Live. You guys were great inside YouTube Live today. James, thank you very much. Back with you at 3 with more of the soap opera, more of the saga tomorrow. Have a great night.